It's green for go. They're racing. He says go. He says Tara. And Tiger Tara rolls away from them on the home turn. Here comes another big boil over. Equine athleticism at its best. The king is in the castle once more. This is in one race. The rest are almost in another post. She is a star with a capital S. It's going to be a triple treat. A miracle three-peat. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed history here at Menangle. What about that? It's getting right up on the sprint lane and it's going to bolt in. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sunday Session, part of the Sprint Lane podcast for Harness Racing New South Wales. My name is Greg Hayes and if you love your harness racing, then you'll be all set for the next 30 minutes or so as I'm set to discuss all the action from Saturday night's Clubman Angle meeting. Jack Callaghan only had the two drives on the card last night, won both of them. Mac Da Vinci was too strong in his event after doing all the work outside the leader and he also won the main event, the New Year's Gift, when our Cosmic, uh, our cosmic Major proved too strong after blasting off a wide draw. Went around at double figure odds surprisingly and is really starting to put together a handy record since joining the McCarthy stable. Did you see the photos of Jack Callaghan on social media after the win? He's sporting bright blonde locks. Now I'm not someone who should be knocking anyone about hair as I've got none but I saw one comment saying Jack looks like the rapper Eminem. That's not a bad likeness. Might have to ask him what's doing with his hair. So we'll catch up with Jack Callaghan today. Another week, another first time winner. 21 year old Cooper Griffiths finally cracked it for his first win as a driver at Newcastle on Friday night. Cooper has driven in nearly 50 races so it's taken him a while to break the duck but he drove Outlook a treat on Friday night and picked up that elusive win. I watched an interview with Mick Kokas. Well Mick Kokas did the interview with Cooper a few months ago for National Truck Guide and he came across as a pretty interesting character. Good background, grew up as a talented tennis player and got to travel the world as a junior. So I'm looking forward to catching up with Cooper and having a chat to him about the win and how he got introduced into harness racing. The Menangle Express is back where I look at every race on the card from a Saturday night and see if I can spot a few horses to follow. Had a little bit of luck last night with horses that I mentioned last week, most notably Smithy's Terror and Tuppence. So hopefully there are another couple of winners in that segment this week. No Fred Hastings last night. He was at home laid up with COVID, but BK was on deck to fill Freddie's shoes. Mr. T got amongst the winners this week at Parks. Mr. T gave two tips last week. They both won, so he's narrowed the gap between the two of us in our tipping challenge. I got a winner as well this week, and my other tip ran second, so we have run into a bit of form. Let's hope that continues. Plus, I'll have a quick recap of what happened with Fantasy Harness Racing for the week. Before I officially get into the show, I must make mention about the passing of a good man that will be sorely missed in the sport of harness racing Peter Gadsby passed away on Saturday. Peter enjoyed great success as an owner and raced some very talented horses. His first good one was Double Identity, who won a number of big races, including the Miracle Mile, the Victoria Cup, and the Queensland Pacing Championships. It was interesting that during his time that Double Identity was racing, the Falcon Strike, who was part-owned by Alex Kay. Now, I'm pretty sure the story was that Alex was the best man at Peter's wedding, but the two had lost contact over the years, and through Double Identity and the Falcon Strike racing one another, the men rekindled their friendship, and together they started a syndicate that raced a number of good horses, including Smoking Up, who just won about, won about every big race in Australia. Um, he raced Trotters as well. Tough Tussle was one he owned with Alex. Um, and the son, Tough Monarch. I even had a share in a trotter with Pete called No Smoking Joe Cola that raced in both New South Wales and Victoria and won its share of races. He liked to give back to the sport that he had enjoyed great success in, and he spent time on the committee of the Owners Association in New South Wales. I first met Pete 
in Perth at the 2004 Inter-Dominion Series. I went to a breakfast with the stars before the series began. I was 26 at the time, very wet behind the ears. I was a guest on the panel for all those in attendance. And I remember saying that no local could win it and the, the locals got up me. Uh, they were all booing and carrying on like that. And I said there were only three chances in the series, Double Identity, Joe Fess and Sokiola. It upset the locals a lot. But straight after the panel finished, Peter came over to me, introduced himself. We were mates straight away. And I spent a great two weeks over there with Peter and his wife, Wendy, Ron Bottles and his wife, and former Daily Telegraph journalist, Bill Ellis and his wife. It was the seven of us. And we got around and went out plenty of times and spent a lot of time together. Um, Pete owned and worked as a real estate agent in St Andrews in southwestern Sydney. He was a very likeable, calm and sincere man who always had time for a chat and importantly loved his harness racing. To his wife Wendy, his three daughters Tina, Christy and Kyra, my heartfelt condolences on the passing of Peter. Never easy to change the subject but as Peter would say, let the show roll on. So time to get into this week's podcast. the next section in the New Year's gift and our Cosmic Major still leads Stravinsky's under the pump, now coming to the outside is Major Major and still looking for runs and starting to come to the outside is Rock and Roll Hammer, our Cosmic Major still in front, 200 metres left to go, Rock and Roll Hammer's wearing back the margin and so is Major Major and from the back Teresa Love Rock and Roll Hammer up to our Cosmic Major who's fighting, lifting the inside, our Cosmic Major! I think our Cosmic Major's just held on here, but it's a photo with also Rock and Roll Hammer. There's a breath between them. Jack Callaghan, back at headquarters last night, picked up a double and opened up his 2024 account and picked up the main race as well, the New Year's gift, taking it out on our Cosmic Major for Luke McCarthy. And Jack's joining me to have a chat. Morning, Jack. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks, Hayden. How are you? Mate, really well. Congratulations with the win of our Cosmic Major. Huge performance in his victory after having to blast off the arm like he did. Yeah, it was a really good win. He's a quality horse and I think he's only on the way up. He's he's really put together a, a nice uh, a record. He's only likely race. He's had the issues. We spoke with one of his owners, Phil Kennard, on the pro, on the podcast going back when the podcast first started, and he he actually thought that the horse was going to continue on. The horse won the carousel. He's now won this New Year's gift, um, but he really had to fight for it last night because he had done that work in the first four hundred meters. You were going to be vulnerable late, and. Uh, and Luke was there to really ask a few questions of uh, our cosmic late, uh, our cosmic major late. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, drawing the outside, um, blasted off twenty six one first quarter. Not easy. So, um, especially when you got a quality horse like Rock and Roll Hammer on your back, he, he's obviously got really good credentials himself, and he's on a chariot to fire path. So, um, you know. He, Really had to fight for it, but I th- think that's one of this horse's best qualities. He's just such a good trier, and uh, when they get to him, he just absolutely gives his all. And, um, you know, I don't think he'll be getting beaten a photo finish too often. No, he's got the right attributes, hasn't he? He's got gate speed. He can back off as soon as you ask him to to come back to you, and then he he wants to win. So he's three big attributes he's got tend to show that he's going to make a, a really nice racehorse. For sure, he's just an absolute beautiful animal, to be honest. He, as you said, you can just do anything with him, and he's a pleasure to have around the barn. So, 
um, it was great to jump back on him last time. Do you reckon he can make that jump to free-for-all grade as, as time goes on and he picks up more points? Yeah, for sure. He, he just feels like he you know, hasn't really got a bottom. He, he's got great speed and follow speed so well. And as you said, he's just a out-and-out tryer as well. So I think you know, it won't be too long and he'll definitely be up against the better ones. Mate, there were a couple of photos on social media last night of the win and you after the victory. The the, the blonde hair, what's what's happened there? Yeah, just went away on a bit of a boys' trip and came back looking a little bit different. So, um, you know, it was all a bit of fun over in Bali for a few days and um, the boys have been at me to get me helmet off for a photo for a while <laughs> now. So um, last night was a good opportunity. So uh, blonde hair, not a, not a tattoo. I guess it was. it's better than coming home with tattoos that you don't want. Yeah, well, that's what I was trying to tell mum, but whether she whether she believed that part, I'm not so sure. But um, yeah, that was my argument to her. <laughs> Mate, uh, what what about your other winner, Mac Da Vinci? He's a he's a really nice horse, um, and look in that grade, he's always going to be competitive, and you can do a little bit more with him. But he owned that race last night. Yeah, he definitely did. It, it uh, set up quite nice for him with a quick lead time, and then you know he's just really able to control that last mile of the race. Um, you know, he, if you can get outside the leader on him without doing much work, he just really swirls up around that last bend. And another one with just great attributes and great uh, will to win. So um, really enjoying driving him at the, at the moment. He's got that push-button speed too. Like when you just ask him to go, he, he can just put a length or two on his rivals in the twinkling of an eye. Yeah, for sure. I think a few starts back, I drove him and he got home in you know, nearly a 25-flat quarter. So he's um, definitely one of the quickest horses I've driven and um, he's just a beautiful animal too. Getting caught outside the leader last night, did that worry you at all or the fact that they'd gone that quick lead time, you weren't too worried? No, I was really happy to be there, to be honest, after you know, Magician and line-up and both on a you know, fair bit of work through that lead time. Uh, you wouldn't have expected to, Jimmy to want to go too quick after that, so he was just really able to control it. And uh, when I called on him, he let down really well. So, mate, um, what's the plans for you over the the next couple of weeks and months, just to get back into the swing of it and try and pick up some nice drives with the with the carnival just around the corner? Yeah, for sure. You know, the last probably couple of months has probably been a little bit slow for me, so um, still getting nice winners and that, but just the overall number of drives has uh, probably dropped a little bit for how I'd like it. So hopefully with a few winners, um, you know, that puts you back in people's eyes and I can pick up a few more. But, um, yeah, still looking forward to hopefully driving in the big races throughout the year and, yeah, just, there we go. Well, mate, um, it's always good when you drive two winners on a Saturday night. As you said, you get your your name up in front of uh, owners' eyes, and no doubt there'll be more drives coming your way. Congratulations with the win on uh, or the the double on Saturday night, and all the best of luck going forward. No worries, thanks, Greg. And this leader's had a very lovely run in front, and looks to sneak away here as they head to the four hundred metres. Uh, that third quarter incorrect. 
So uh, it's Casham in Shannon leading over Outlook. Uncle Gregory under pressure on the outside. Here's Brooks Smart Dancer. Favourite peels out of the 1 1 starts to give chase. Sunday Shess jumps onto its back. And Warrawee Fly saves ground the inside as Outlook shifted off the inner. Around the bend. Casham in Shannon in front. Outlook is the challenger. Then Brooks Smart Dancer. Ghostly Courage getting out late. Outlook in front. Under siege. Ghostly Courage absolutely flying home. Outlook. Outlook over Ghostly Courage third. Look, may even be Casham in Shannon battling back the inside ahead of Warrawee Fly, Brooksmart Dancer and Sunday Sesh. Friday night, January 12, is one that Cooper Griffiths is never going to forget with Outlook winning at Newcastle and it provided Cooper with his first win in a race and he's joining me to have a chat. Congratulations, Cooper. Well done. Cheers, Greg. Cheers, Greg. Thanks for having me. No problems at all. Um, well, tell us about the victory. It was a, a race where you were able to get in behind the leader and, uh, and get the split at the right time. Yeah, um, yeah, she's been going great guns outlook probably the last, um, well, ever since we've got her, really. Um, yeah, able to get in behind the leader and, um, and, uh, got the, got the gap at the top of the straight and she was just a bit too tough for him in the end, which was good. Looking, did you need the run at that time? Did you think, yeah, I've got a, a fair, a fair bit of horse underneath me. I really, I really just need to get into the clear here. Yeah, I, I, I could have got out a bit earlier, but, um, I thought I had to go now. And uh, Brooks Smart Dancer coming out of the one-one, and um, she uh, she's never a horse that's going to win by um, by the length of the straight. But um, she um, she just likes to have she all her wins have just been by a few meters. But um, when they come, she just keeps kicking. And what was the feeling like when you hit the line first? Oh, relieved. <laughs> um, yeah, more relief than anything. And it's good to get the um, get the first win. Had about forty starts or so, so. Uh, yeah, the boys now were starting to give me a little bit of stick for um, taking me time to get my first win, but yeah, more relieved than anything. <laughs> and what did Darren have to say to you after the win? Yeah, Darren was Darren was happy. Um, he uh, the horse has been going great, so he um, said this is a really good chance to to break the duck. And um, yeah, he was just more over the moon for me. Just having a look at a couple of her recent runs, she she had put the riding on the wall. The start before was really good. You, you got buried on the pegs there and had nowhere to go. And when she finally did get into the clear, she actually hit the line quite solidly. Yeah, well, ever since we got her, I think we got her about early last year, or you know, early to mid last year, and she had about fifty starts for one win. Then, and um, I think we've won about five with her. And she's both of her preps, and she's just been the most consistent horse, consistent horse in the stable. Um, I think her last 10 starts, she's she's only missed a placing twice and she's run fourth when she's done that and she's won about three. So, yeah, she's, um, she's absolutely airborne at the moment. And, um, it was a pleasure to get the drive on her, that's for sure. Before she won the race, was she one of your favourites? Uh, yeah, she's, um, she's, she's not um, ideal at track work and that. She's more of a race day horse, um, you know. Um, but, yeah, she's definitely... As, an, as uh, having her in the stable and her being one of the most consistent, she's got to be up there as one of the favourites. Yeah, sure. Um, mate, tell us your story. How did you get into harness racing? Um, well, I grew up being a tennis player. I, I played um, I played actually around the world in the junior circuit and got the top 1,000 for the junior world rankings and um, sort of just started travelling overseas for that when I was about 16, 17 and and then COVID hit and um, sort of put a halt to the travelling and that. When it come out of that, I was about 18, 19, so sort of missed the junior circuit. It's tough to go from that, you know, straight to the, the world circuit. So 
uh, during COVID, I was just working at my local pub and, and uh, Jake Mitchell was a ma- manager there. And um, just for a bit of fun during COVID, there wasn't much to do. He said, you want to come out and give me a bit of a hand and um, and uh, just muck around? I said, yeah, and started jogging a few and jogging them for a while. And then he, he eventually uh, tested me into doing a fast work and I was I was bricking it a fair bit, but I eventually did it. And uh, yeah, just from there, and then he moved to. I was helping him out for a couple of years, and then he eventually gone out to get his own property and that out in Mudgee and and training out near there and doing his own thing. And I got a job with um, Darren Elder. And I started there about October, November, twenty twenty two, and um, yeah, just from there and did all my trials there and and now racing there. It's just been good. So, mate, prior to you know going out and helping Jake, had you had any? Touching, you know, any any horse that you had, any um, you know, horses in your nah, life? No, not, no, nah, not really. No, nah, I, I remember he took me to Tamworth for the first time at the races, and um, it's when he had Sir Richard Lee, and I was um, I was, I remember I was walking it back to the float, and I was bricking it. So, <laughs> yeah, it was um, yeah, come a long way in the last few years, and and just um, wanted to keep improving, which uh, I think I am. Sure, yeah, you're only twenty one, so like. Do you have, um, you know, dreams and goals of being your, your own trainer and um, things like that when you get older? Oh, probably not. More of a driver. Um, you know, I've just it's a bit of a day-by-day thing for me to see how far I can go, you know, because, um, as I said, yeah, I haven't, haven't been around it for very long. So a lot everything's pretty new to me. So I'm just um, taking it day-by-day sort of thing. You mentioned you, you travelled the world a little bit with the tennis what sort of places were you were you getting to play, or where? What what countries are you getting to visit? Uh, yeah, I went to the states a couple of times, a few times, and um, Japan and New Zealand, and that's really the places that I got to go before COVID hit. Um, and yeah, but they, they were the they were the main places I went. Yeah, and then obviously just around Australia. It must have in it each mu- of the states. Yeah, it must have been tough because basically you lose you do lose your chance to play on the junior circuit for what two or three years and and you know you don't get that time again yeah no it was tough um but you know probably as well doing it your whole life and then coming into something different like harness racing it was a bit it was fresh like refreshing yep um and uh you know traveling a lot and dedicating your whole life to the one sport it is it is a lot um and i did enjoy it but at the same time you know you're at home with your family and everything and and you get to probably, you know, experience a lot more um, with, you know, having your family around and stuff than, um, than just travelling and, and grinding away sort of thing to, you know, maybe not make it. So, you know, yeah, there's there's two sides to it. Sure. Is it something now you miss? Like, obviously, the Australian Open starting this weekend. You know, will you sit down, will you watch oh. it for the next two weeks or are you browned off the sport totally? No, I love watching it, like, in high school, I, I was in the New South Wales team. And I, I played number four, and and the number one player in our team, he's actually playing the Australian Open this year. James McCabe playing his first Grand Slam, got a wild card in. So I'll definitely be tuning in for me, mate, and hopefully he does well. You know, that'd be awesome because um, he's been um, grinding away the last few years, and he's definitely earned his spot there. So I'll, I'll definitely be tuning in for the next couple of weeks for the tournament, mate. Just back to harness racing. You mentioned you're working for the elders. How do you find that? Oh, I love it. Yeah, they're good fun. Um, you know, and plenty of horses there. And, you know, with new horses coming in a lot, you know, turning them over, you, you experience a lot 
with um, you know different tempered horses and and um, d- different ones to drive, and they're all wearing different gear. So it's good to um, you know have that experience, and, and, and it makes it easy when they're fun to work for. Well, mate, congratulations with that first win with Outlook on Friday night. Um, it's one you won't forget, and we wish you all the best of luck in uh, future future years. Cheers, Greg. Thanks a lot. That time of the week where we go back and have a look at all of the races at Menangle from a Saturday night. It is the Menangle Express. Race one, Arden's Delight was the $2.70 favourite and this race was over the 2,300 metres. It didn't take long for all the runners to find their position soon after the starter said go. Celestial Gossip led with the horses behind it on the pegs being Coco. Major statement, Shades of Heaven, while the runners off the pegs were Our Sunset Delight, Arden's Delight, Ricochet and Rock of Delight. Jala Neal galloped in the early stages but soon caught the field and took its spot on the marker pegs in last. The speed in the early stages was moderate with a lead time of 50.8 which equates to a speed of running a 29.4 quarter followed by a 29.3 for the first quarter. Bailey McDonough let Celestial Gossip run through the second quarter in 27.7. You could clearly see the tempo increase. 27.8 was the third quarter, then the action began. Our Sunset Delight levelled up to Celestial Gossip on the turn. Arden's Delight came out three wide. Rocker Coco was looking for a run on the inside. Robbie Morris on Shades of Heaven was getting off the inside and looking to ease into the clear. In the straight, Major Statement tried to dive to the pegs, but Rocker Coco angled for the same run. Major Statement lost all momentum and it will pay to forget its run. Arden's Delight hit the front, but not for long as Ricochet and Shades of Heaven wound up down the outside with Shades of Heaven winning at big odds for the Morris Stable. Thought Rocker Coco was only plain after sitting behind the leader. Race two was again over the 2,300 metres and the favourite was Last Tango in Heaven at $3.90 in a wide open race. They flew the lead time in 49 seconds in this one as everyone wanted to get forward. Titian Raider showed speed but was crossed by Little Bliss and then Last Tango in Heaven worked forward and found the front before King Tiger got to the front as they turned into the straight the first time. This exposed Firestorm Red who is extremely hard to beat when he finds the lead in his races but you could see Jack trainer on King Tiger was very keen to hold the lead and he even drew the stick to show his intentions. The horses off the pegs were Firestorm Red Boom and Wave the Bill. First quarter was 28-7. They backed it off to 29-5 before putting the speed back on in the third as they ran 27-7. Not often do you see horses peeling from the 1-1 before they hit the straight, but Rattray got moving on Boom before the turn, and this meant Trainer was forced to go as hard as he could on King Tiger, which meant he rolled off the inside with his momentum as they turned for home, which gave Last Tango in Heaven a clear run, which looked to be full of running at the time. Boom hit the front and was able to hold off its rivals in a 28-5 final quarter. King Tiger battled on break for second, good run, and last tango in heaven finished third after getting every chance. Total Diva worked home down the outside for fourth, while Little Bliss's run was really good. Ran into a dead end soon after turning for home, had to be grabbed hold of and then eased to the outside. It finished off well. Beaten margin was unfair for Little Bliss. Race number three was over the long trip again, and this was clearly the quickest lead time of the night, and the favourite was Magician at $3.10 in what looked to be a deep race on paper. Lead time of 47.5 quates to a speed of running a quarter in 27.4, so really fast. Outer Orlando charged off a wide draw to get the front with lineup letting him go before lineup came off the inside for the retake. This left Magician parked, and you could see Rickson say something to Rattray in the straight the first time before Rickson let Rattray go and take up the lead role with Magician. So on the pegs, you had Magician, lineup, Ultra Orlando, Port Our Prince, Double Encounter, Bondi Lockdown and Malcolm's Rhythm. The running line was Mac Da Vinci, Wow, He's a Rockstar, and Zeus Bromac. 
Now, as they left the straight, Bondi Lockdown was trying to get off the inside, but there was no room, and McCarthy was forced to sit and wait on the pegs. They backed the speed off. They needed to. First two quarters, 29-6 and 30.7. Mac DaVinci made the speed through the third quarter as Callaghan did all the damage from the chair and put Magician to the sword with sheer speed. 28-1 was that third quarter. Up the straight, and Mac DaVinci held a, a clear break on them. Line up east to the outside, looking for clear air. Wow, he's a rock star, and Zeus Bromac lost contact with Mac DaVinci, while Bondi Lockdown was simply too far back. Home in 26-3. Good win by Mac DaVinci. Good drive by Callaghan, too. Uh, Magician battled back on the inside to hold second, but was beaten eight and a half metres. Early work told. Lineup finished third. Thought his run was good after being in the gunfight early. Forgive Bondi Lockdown and Ultra Orlando, who had nowhere to go in the concluding stages and had to run over the line under their own steam with nowhere to go. Uh, race number four, it was over the longer trip. They ran this race on schedule, and then due to Gennady falling on the turn the first time around, they called the race off and re-ran it 30 minutes later with Gennady a scratching. Uh, Favourite in the race was Dennis William at $1.65. They settled into Indian file in this race over the 2,300 metres and found their spots pretty quickly. Dennis William, Brados Lad, Joe Nien, Ideal in Dream, Stingray Tara, Unfaze, See Your Art and Smithy's Terror is how they settled down. The lead time was rather fast despite everyone falling into position quickly, 48-3. Leaving the straight, See Your Art came off the inside and started the running line. Smithy's Terror jumped onto its back and Unfaze moved third over. The speed was slow, 29.2 and 30.7 for the first half of the last mile, but they really wound it up from then. 27.3 third quarter, and soon after turning for home, the favourite was in trouble, Dennis William. See Art hit the front, but Smithy's Terror was lurking on its back. Stingray Tara was winding up down the outside, but couldn't reel in the two closer to the inside, and it was Smithy's Terror in a boil over, falling in to win with the final quarter of 26.5. He's been a horse I've mentioned in, in this segment a couple of times recently about not sacking, and hopefully a few people managed to find him at the big odds. See Your Art was second. Stingray Tara got third. Ideal in Dreams. Only beat Dennis William home in the event, but her run was good. She couldn't find a run. Had to be eased all the way back to last before picking up momentum again. She'll be winning soon in weaker grade. That's Ideal in Dreams. Race number five. It was the New Year's gift final. Major Major was the $1.70 favourite. Was blown away by the prices in this race. The heat winners. Neptune was $11. Our Cosmic Major was $11. And Major Major was $1.70. Anyway, when the starter said go, there was speed from wide on the track. Our Cosmic Major and Stravinsky charged from out wide. Rock and Roll Hammer also began well off gate four, but it was the two widest runners who got across. Our Cosmic Major led Rock and Roll Hammer, Neptune, uh, Magic Mateo and Ryan's Gangster, while the running line was Stravinsky, Major Major, Sir Richard Lee, Teresa Love and Give Me a Reason. They flew early. Now, the official first quarter was 26-1. It was interesting watching the race live on the screen. It flashed up 25-92. Now, I'm not sure, but I thought the timing off the screen was done off microchips in the saddlecloth. So if that's the case, it might be more accurate. Might have to make a few calls during the week and find out the difference in the timing system. Second quarter was 29-9, and despite the slowing of the tempo and all the big guns being up near the front, there were no moves. 27-3 was the third quarter as they swung for home. Stravinsky looked to be in some trouble outside the leader. Major Major came to the outside, and this meant there was enough room for Rock and Roll Hammer to have a clear shot at our Cosmic Major. The stable mate settled down to fight it out, and one thing our Cosmic Major is is brave. He won't lie down in a finish. Those fighting qualities saw him cling on to beat Rock and Roll Hammer, who has now been beaten in two close finishes at his past two. Major Major was third, had every chance to run past the first two past the post. Sir Richard Lee was fourth. Theresa Love, who threatened to wind up down the outside, was unable to make up much ground in the last 200. Keep in mind, they did run a final quarter of 26-9. 150.2 overall, so no knock on her run. 
Stravinsky will be winning soon. Follow it. Ryan's gangster saved ground on the pegs and made ground after doing no work early. Let's have a look at race number six. It was for the Trotters. The favourite last week was King of Love at $3.50. Uh, sorry, last week's winner, King of Love at $3.50. But the race changed complexion soon after the start when it galloped in the first 100. So it was out of play. Trotters flew through the first 400 metres with Red Harbour charging to the lead in 26.9. On advice, got across from its wide gate to be behind the leader. Then Sunny G, Have No Fear and Monarch Stride. Will Rickson on Have No Fear was trying to get one to come around him, but nothing did. So he came off the inside and led up the running line with one Magic Kenny and a fair to cover behind it. They backed it off through the second quarter in 30.4, but the speed went on again in the third quarter and Have No Fear was in front by the time they got to the 400 metre mark. Third quarter, 28.5. Have No Fear looked to be travelling well, but the roughy on advice came to his outside and loomed really strongly. Rickson looked to be pretty confident, though, in the run. He, he lifted the reins. He was just flicking the horse once or twice in the closing stages. It was able to cling on and win. On advice, ran a great race after being a part of that first quarter. Sunny G finished third. Monarch Stride was fourth after settling well back in the race. King of Love finished last, beaten more than 100 metres. Chocolates one week and boiled lollies the next. Race seven was for the Pacers and it was back to the 2300 metres again. The favourite in the race was Sheffield Sparky at $4. Cam Hart drove the fave and it was able to jump on the lead as soon as the starter said go. Soho Rhapsody began well from out wide and was able to squeeze in behind the leader as chasing the win ended up three pegs. Arden's reality went four pegs, which left the running line looking like Dark Terror first over, then Marathon Man, Tuppence and Our Uncle Jim. Slow lead time of 51.1 and with everyone happy with the speed of the race, no moves. 30.1, 29.7 were the first two quarters. But then the speed started to quicken. Hart was at the leader prior to the home turn in an attempt to hold off Dark Terror. And they ran through that third quarter in 27-4. Turning for home, they fanned. Marathon Man launched from the 1-1. Tuppence and our Uncle Jim came, came wider. Uh, Soho Rhapsody ducked back to the inside but didn't have a lot of run on once it got into the clear. Sheffield Sparky was whacking away but it was no match for the stablemate Tuppence. Another one we said to forgive last week on the podcast. It flooded home down the outside. No luck last week. Got everything made to water this time around. AO Uncle Jim hit the line well but never looked like winning the race. Sheffield Sparky was third. Final quarter was 27-7. One you can follow out of this race, Arden's Reality. Tried to get a run in the straight and couldn't was on the back of Marathon Man and then went wider and lost a lot of momentum, looked to lose balance, still managed to finish fourth and it looks as though it'll be able to pinch a race soon. Might even get back into a Tuesday race for the Morris Stable. So that is Arden's reality. Race eight, back to the mile. The short price favourite was I'll Have a Bubbles at $1.60 and the way it raced suggests it was going to win a few races for Grimson going forward blasted off the gate and was able to get the lead off Don Boston in the early stages. They still ran through the first quarter in 26-6. The marker pegs looked like this. Uh, I'll have a bubbles, Don Boston, the Golden Cross, Halloween and Reactor Factor. The running line was Lurum Creek, My Stella Rose, Here Comes Bobby, Mitzi Gaynor and Waratah Lou. Hart backed it off in the second quarter to 29-8, and from there it was basically race over. 28-4 for the third quarter. There were no moves. Hart had asked the mare to extend prior to the turn. She put a real gap in them, winning by more than 15 metres. Don Boston, the old boy, he managed to hang on to second spot. It looked like a few of his rivals were going to get past him in the straight, but everything peaked on its run. 
Halloween got third. Reactor Factor was fourth. Not a lot to really to make mention of back in the field. Pretty comfortable win. Pretty smart mare. And she's going to win better races than that. Best win of the night is our Cosmic Major. Did all the work in the early stages off the wide draw. Was still able to cling on in a photo finish. Gave all of his rivals a chance and they couldn't get past him. Starting to put together a pretty handy record with a New Year's gift added to the carousel. Best beaten run of the night. A few... Have, could have received this, but I'm going to go with lineup. Finished third, got battered and bruised in the early stages after being crossed by Alta Orlando, and then having to take the sit on Magician in a brutal lead time. Came to the outside and nearly pinched second. It's going well. And best driver of the night, a couple of drivers get mentioned here. Robbie Morris in the first on Shades of Heaven was good after getting off the inside. Uh, Jack Callaghan showing the aggression on our Cosmic Major as well. But I'm going to go with Luke McCarthy on Smithy's Terror. Got the perfect card up on the back of Sia Art. Waited for as long as he could to come to the outside to save him for one last dash at them. So best driver of the night, Luke McCarthy on Smithy's Terror. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Winning. Hey, that's pretty good. Winner. That was legitness. That I say, all right, all right, all right. Wow, winning. Bam. Just like that. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. So the tipping challenge, big week for Mr. T with two winners. He was minus $94, but with both of the winners, he's now minus 70, and I got one winner, so I'm minus 25. So he cut the margin quite noticeably. Mr. T has two tips for Bathurst on Wednesday. Race two, number nine, he's on the buzzer for Nathan and Jet Turnbull. Jet continues his really good start to his career, and despite drawing the second row, Mr. T thinks he's on the buzzer is the one to beat. And his other one is in race eight, number four, Uncle Crago for Brian Patterson. No driver down at this stage, but there will be plenty of drivers putting their hand up for it. The horse has been ultra consistent without winning. Mr. T thinks it can crack it for a win at in race eight at Bathurst on Wednesday night. So that's that's race eight, number four. My two, both at Menangle on Tuesday. Race four, number one, Real Tintin. Another first starter for the Morris Stable. Had a bit of success with that formula last week. Don't think it's as good as last week's winner, but watching its most recent trial, it looked to be full of running when finishing fourth. Wasn't asked to do anything late. Raced up on the back of second's helmet. And I think off the good draw, it can take a lot of beating at its first start. So that's race four, number one, Real Tintin. And race six, number nine, to be fair to you, beautifully bred out of the talent, uh, talented Philly Petuza. Raced at Menangle last start, finished well when third. Jimmy Douglas drove last start, but he has one of Ian Wilson's to drive in the race. So Cam Hart has been booked to take the reins. Wide draw doesn't look to be a huge concern after she didn't show much speed at Menangle for her first start there. Banking on her being able to run home over the top of them. Race six, number nine, to be fair to you. Fantasy update, Champo 71 is on 5,114 points and still leads over Manning 1990 on 5,066. I dropped down to 76th, so no good for me. Round 7 was won by Champo with 734 points, so the winner has picked up another uh, weekly win. I tried something a bit different and made Grace Pinella my captain. No Metro meetings for Grace, but Newcastle wasn't as prof- profitable as I was hoping for on Friday night. In the latest price changes, Jet Turnbull is now $1.1 million. Cam Hart's down another 156000 He's only $1.206 million after starting at over two. I do think it's time to get Jack Callaghan into your team. He's very cheap at only 620000 So for mine, he's a must-add this week. Good luck, and keep in mind Sunday's meeting at Wagga is not part of round eight. 
Fantasy Harness Racing starts again on Tuesday. And that just about does it for another week of the Sunday session. Thank you to my guests, Jack Callaghan and also Cooper Griffiths. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. I'll be back next Sunday with another edition of the Sunday session. I'll catch you then. Mm -hmm.